Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. This coming up Sunday, we will celebrate the beautiful Feast of Pentecost. 50 days after the Feast of Easter, we celebrate this feast. This feast celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, the birth of our church, and the gifts that God gives us to transform our lives. We have Mary Marioni back on our show today to reflect on this beautiful story of Pentecost with me, to talk about how we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost in the atrium with the children, how we can then use that celebration at home during this unique time where we are not able to come to the atrium together, and all the beautiful gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Mary, to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. We're glad to have you back. So happy to be back, Carrie. Thank you. Well, this is a really beautiful liturgical time of year. We're coming to the very end of our Easter season. It's like we end with a bang. And so we get to celebrate this beautiful (laughs) feast of Pentecost. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy this feast. I really enjoy the way people come to church wearing red. I really enjoy um, Mm -hmm. the way that we've lifted up in the atrium. It has made it mean a lot more to me. And so this feast has a special place in my heart. Yeah, well, it is a very special feast for us. It's, we could say, our uh, feast, our celebration of becoming who we are, the body of Christ, right? We, mm-hmm. we celebrate it in a very special way. You know, when we think about this feast, right, we know that it's 50 days. In fact, that's what it means, Pentecost. It's 50 days after the Feast of Easter. Right. Mm -hmm. And it it celebrates certainly the coming of the Holy Spirit, which was the promise of the father. Right. But as we said, it's the birth of our church. And in this, God gives so many gifts that transform them, transforms us. I always love to think about these. Well, these 40 days that Jesus was with them after the resurrection. Right. Because what did he do for 40 days He helped them understand this new risen life of his, right? I mean, look how Mm -hmm. he came to them, right? Mary, she didn't recognize him until he calls her by name and then she sees him, right? Thomas, he... He said, I, I won't believe unless I, I stick my, my fingers in his hand and my hand in his side. And then he's there for Thomas saying, here I am. Here, mm-hmm. Thomas, if you need to do this to believe. And, you know, they all go back to Galilee, right? Well, he told them, wait, in Galilee. But mm-hmm. what does he do? He calls from the from the seashore. They're all out fishing, right? That's what Peter said. I'm, I'm going fishing. <laughs> They're all out fishing, and he says, throw the nets on the other side, and they recognize him. So for 40 days, he really helped them understand this new life that he had and that was for all of us. He he visited them to help them know that he's alive and to believe and to rejoice in it, right? Mm-hmm. And then he ascends to his father, and just before he does... He tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of his father, the promise from on high, because he knows that they're going to need the help 
of the Holy Spirit to overcome their fears, their inadequacies, right? To help them overcome the darkness and the evil that was in the world, that is in the world. Mm -hmm. And so on Pentecost, they all gather in this one place, this place where he shared his last supper with them and something amazing happens, right? That's what we're going to hear now in, in the scripture, right? What happened? Let's read this from Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. I love this scripture. I, I think part of the reason why I love mm -hmm. this scripture is because it is so vivid for all the senses. You can, you can almost see and feel and hear what the apostles are experiencing, what these disciples are experiencing in this upper room. Yeah. You know, Carrie, I, I had it actually happen one time in the atrium because we, you know, I, I live in a desert and for a time our atriums were off campus because we had so many children. So we mm -hmm. were out actually in this really empty, there's a lot of desert around us, let us me put it that way. And in this celebration, we heard a strong driving wind <laughs> and the children and I, it was, it was, it was amazing, but there was such power in that sound. Right. And that's what he said, you know, the power from on high. I mean, it was real and present in our, in our atrium that day. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure, I am sure that's what it sounded like when they were in that upper room, that strong driving wind. I know it's so easy to help the children to to really immerse into that because you're like, I wonder what the apostles felt whenever they heard that strong driving wind. And immediately, you know, they can relate to like, oh, wow, that would that would be really scary. That would be really scary. Or the, the tongues of fire coming down and then parting and coming on their heads. Like, how would you feel if this tongue of fire was coming down? Yeah. <laughs> it's very easy for the children, especially I'm imagining level two children right now. I'm and it's very easy for them to be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, with the fire, I mean, what does that mean? What is what does that look like? I mean, what does fire mm -hmm. do? There's so much there, just so much, you know, it, it enlightens, right? It, it changes it. They were literally lit up, right? Mm -hmm. With new mm -hmm. fire. I wonder what it looked like in that tongues of fire was just like the best way that they could explain it. But it makes you wonder the immense possibilities of what they saw and heard and felt. And it's, pre it's pretty powerful. And, you know, and what, what happens in what they see and hear, they are transformed because they were so afraid to tell the world what they knew, who would believe them, right? They knew what had happened to Jesus. Who could believe this? And yet now 
they're so transformed being filled with the Holy Spirit that they don't just start telling about it. They make these bold proclamations, right? And what's so interesting too, and and everybody heard it in their mother tongue, mm-hmm. right? We, we go on to hear in the reading, all these people that were present in Jerusalem at the time, they were, they were from all over the world, right? All languages. And it was not only a miracle of the tongue of the apostles, but the ears of all who heard, heard in their mother tongue. They heard it in the language of the heart. They heard it in the language they knew best. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I I live out here in the desert and I grew up in Brooklyn. And when I hear somebody from Brooklyn or even New York, even actually Boston, when I hear that mother tongue, my heart gets happy. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Because it's something that goes back so far, you know, that from the time I, I could understand language, I can understand. And that's that's what happens in this transformation. That mm-hmm. these bold proclamations that they make, everybody can fully, fully understand in the joy of their hearts. Something quite incredible. It is. It is quite incredible. It's really amazing to see this huge turnaround that the apostles have from fear to bold proclamation. And it just, it's really beautiful. And it shows a power of the Holy Spirit and what it is capable of what we see here in the Pentecost, but not only there in our own lives. And when we experience a, a, a surge or a coming down of the Holy Spirit and the possibilities that can come from it, that just that the boldness and all right. those gifts of the spirit, like what we talk about in Good Shepherd and everything. That's and, right. That's right. Right. Well, with the, I mean, that was prophesied, but with the coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus shares, he can, and continues to share with us his own spirit and the many gifts that God gives us, right? The Holy Spirit leads the apostles to the truth. He, he empowered them to carry out Jesus' command to, to love one another, to to go and make disciples of the, the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And teach them everything Mm -hmm. and know he is with us until the end. Right. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit helped them and he helps us to bring others to transform us into the body of Christ. Right. Because Mm -hmm. it's in that body of Christ that we can truly offer perfect praise to God the Father. Right. Through him, with Mm -hmm. him and in him. And, And we know whenever God visits, he he gives gifts. That's what he does. That's what he did on that day. That's what he continues to do, right? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit gave to these people, to this community, honestly, to our world, wonderful gifts to help with the proclamations, with the living out of knowing the gift of the risen life of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that these gifts, they were promised they were prophesied long before Jesus ever came it was born and we read about them in Isaiah in chapter 11 the, the verses 2 and 3 we we hear about the the seven gifts of the holy spirit and we can think about just very simply like when we were with the children we lift up the names of the gifts and give just a little expression honestly the youngest children 
they love the words. Mm -hmm. They are just happy with the names, Mm -hmm. you know, to have those names in their mouths. But we can think about what is the gift of wisdom? My favorite explanation of that is from St. John Paul, too. He said that wisdom is knowledge permeated with charity. Isn't that beautiful? That is really beautiful. Knowledge permeated with charity. And really, it is the gift of knowing God, knowing um, how to use all the knowledge he gives us, seeing the love of God filled in, in all that knowledge. and. The gift of understanding is the gift of helping us know why things are the way they are in his plan, right? In his life. Knowledge, (laughs) it's interesting in our world how we think about knowledge. The gift of knowledge is the ability to learn more and more about God, about who he is, and to know him. We really must think about that gift. And counsel is a gift that helps us to give good information, good suggestion, good support and love to others and sometimes even to ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. to really discern the best way to go, to follow his path. Mm -hmm. Fortitude. Also, we call strength, or we could even say courage. The little ones often, I think they like to say that word, fortitude. (laughs) But what is it? It is a strength of heart, right? A strength from God, a strength to do what is good and true and loving. The gift of the fear of the Lord, that gift is, I don't think, given the richness of it, because really, it is a way of regarding God with deep respect and reverence. It's really awe. Yeah. The ability to stand in awe and wonder. That's what that gift is. And then the other gift we hear in scripture and his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. We call that gift piety. That is the gift that helps us to know and love God more and more and more, right? Because we can always love him more. Seven wonderful gifts to help Help that bold proclamation. He is risen and he shares this life with us. I once had, I had someone, he was, I think he was in his last year of level two, but I think he had started the atrium very early. Like he might've been honestly a little younger than three when he started Mm -hmm. because when he came and you know, that's always the last day we have atrium. Mm -hmm. And I remember him coming to the door. I was waiting outside, greeting everybody. And he says to me today, I will have all seven. Oh, (laughs) excuse me. I I had no idea what he was talking about. This boy had been collecting his little candles every day, every year. And he had asked for a different one every year. What I always ask for, honestly, is piety. To to the ability, the gift to love him with all I am and all I have. Mm-hmm. That's a gift I want. But there are times in my life when I know I need other gifts. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the day. 
It depends on the day. That's right. And I've had children that ask, how do we get all of them? Yeah. <laughs> and of course we do. It's called confirmation. Yeah. That's a really smart. Children are so wise that they ask for all of them. Like they, they are so know wise. that our God is a God of abundance. So like, give me all seven, God. I want them all. That's right. Just give me all seven. That's yes. right. I want all. But how about you, Carrie? I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say piety. I just this uh, this ability to know God in every fiber of my being, like for for me to fully understand His greatness. But then when you just said about JP two and his explanation of wisdom of knowing, but also with charity, yeah. I love that because. I need that. I want to be able to know God and know his wisdom really well, but be able to have that with charity. And that is so needed in this world. And I personally yeah. need it myself. So I'll yeah. take both. I'll take wisdom and yeah. piety. Yeah, take both. It depends on the day. Well, that's right. It depends on the day. But I think also in, you know, in these days with everything that's happening in our world, I, I really think that we may need fortitude. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That courage. We could, you know, sometimes I've heard it called holy daring, that which pushes aside the difficulties and seeks only the kingdom of God. Right. Mm-hmm. To And to look at that. I mean, when we think about fortitude biblically, it is a gift that's given so that we will have the courage we need to deeply love and care for our communities, for the poor, to keep alive our faith and the truths of God that we live by. And that, you know, I think has been really challenged in these days. What is the right way to go? How do we go back out into the world? Mm-hmm. When do we go out into the, the world? And when we look at the fact that biblically, this happened through prophecy. I think that helps us think more about it because we know that the prophet is the one who has a particular capacity to listen to God, to listen for God, right? Sophia mm-hmm. Cavaletti said that the prophet can be identified as a voice, right? The voice of God in the midst of the people. That's who the prophet is. And let's remember, we are anointed priest, prophet, and king in baptism, right? The the prophet can be that voice of God in the midst of the people only because he first had an ear. You know, before he was a mouthpiece, he was an ear. He was listening, maybe even straining to listen to what God was making known. And Sophia says that God establishes a particular relationship with the prophets, that the Lord enriches them with a great gift that leads to mission. The prophet lends his ear and even more lends his heart to the word of God. He doesn't keep it to himself. He shares it with all. Right. So how do we do this in this time of isolation and self-sheltering? Right. The Hebrew word for prophet is Nabi. I love that word, Nabi. (laughs) It's very interesting word because it literally means to stand in the breach. You know, like if you think about a a cavern and um, you have each foot on on one side of it, you're basically being a bridge. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) You're a bridge standing in that And Sophia says that it's an action now that's expressed in a passive form, which again is interesting because the prophet is passive before God in receiving God's message and allowing that to really penetrate and nourish the prophet. And once the word of God has penetrated the prophet, then it leads to action. 
And the action is not as initiated by the person, but by God himself. Mm-hmm. And to me, that sounds very familiar for us, as, especially catechists, right? Mm-hmm. What is our prophetic call? What are we going to do? There's so many wondering, what are we going to do this summer about courses? What are we going to do in the fall about the children in returning? And, and right now, let's stand as a bridge, and, you know, try to bridge that gap, live our prophetic call. And remember that to do that, we need courage, that fortitude can help us in that. Carrie, I think you know that I do a lot of work with the missionaries of charity. Mm -hmm. And I always think about her when I think about Holy Daring, you know, what fortitude (laughs) she had in the way she lived the gospel, in the way she reached out to the poor. And, you know, there you'll see things that, you know, people would say, oh, but she should have done this or she did whatever. She left that convent, Laredo, with five rubies, five pennies, Mm -hmm. five cents. And she went out to give free service to the poorest of the poor, right? That's holy daring. Despite the many challenges and obstacles she had, she gives us a human face to an authentic response to the gift of fortitude. Mm -hmm. Because really, we should ask the question, right? Why does anybody give a gift? (laughs) My children all know most of the gifts they give their father end up in his closet. It's his special place. And they really think about trying to find a gift for him that won't actually live in the closet. Because that's the point. A gift is given to be used. I have a very wise son-in-law. One year he bought him hangers. Again, it it speaks to the point, right? A gift is given out of love to be used and enjoyed. So take these gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us and actually have the boldness to use them and to to use them into our daily lives. That's really beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Mother Teresa is a very beautiful example of that, that holy daring, that fortitude it takes to just go out there. There are so many beautiful stories of Mother Teresa and her complete faith. In, in that fortitude that the Holy Spirit had given her from the beginning. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So in the atrium, we have a really particular way that we celebrate Pentecost. Um, I think that it would be really great if we talked about that a little bit, and especially how families and individuals can now use that at home. Since we weren't able to finish our atrium year this year, and some people still are not able to go to Mass and celebrate Pentecost this Sunday, with their church community, we have a really beautiful way of celebrating this feast. Let's talk about that. Mary, if you could tell us a little bit about that and how we can adapt that to home. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, in our our day, I I think we want to remember that we celebrate Pentecost. We're, We're celebrating Christ's invitation to receive these gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? They encourage us, they oblige us to bear witness to him and his Father. And really, the outpouring of the Spirit upon the church ensures that we will have the ability, you know, the courage to carry out his instructions to make disciples of all nations, right? With these gifts, we can truly be his witnesses, which is what he calls Mm -hmm. us to do. And our children, I've seen, you know, in so many years that they witness him. They are his witnesses in a very real and deep way. They live a very close and very beautiful encounter with God. And so it's our tradition in the atrium to close every year in prayer, of course. We kind of are sent out into the world, out of the atrium into the world. Mm -hmm. Remember, the atrium 
is that place in between the world and the church. And Pentecost comes usually just before summer break. And so we literally are going out into the world. We won't see each other for a while. And so we end the year by asking for these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they delight every time we announce the seven gifts. We set the prayer table in red and at home, certainly it could be a scarf, a towel, a napkin, you know, whatever, just to bring in that red. Red is used for the Holy Spirit and we say it is the color of much love. Like it's an important Mm -hmm. color for the children to prepare the table in red. And we have seven red candles that we light, remembering each of the gifts. Now, at home, people may not have seven red candles, but, you know, the children could even cut out paper red candles or even color white Mm -hmm. paper to make red candles. I think, you know, leave it up to the children as to how to have the seven candles arranged for these seven gifts. And then we read the scripture. We read Acts 2, as you did, Carrie, just those first few verses. If the children are older, certainly we continue with all the people that were there. We continue to the the end of that paragraph in, in the Bible. But, you know, really just sit, sitting quietly and listening and pondering, you know, which gift, what gift do I need? We're Brooklyn Italians, even though we live in the desert. And so every Sunday, The whole family comes over for dinner. Certainly, we haven't been doing that in these months. But last year, this happened. And when the grandchildren were younger, I would just pass, after dinner, I would pass a beautiful red box that had the seven gifts, and everybody would choose one. But because three of the five grandchildren now are in the atrium, and one has been in the atrium long enough that he decided he could be my assistant at the prayer table. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided to look at this celebration in the small home atrium that I have. Certainly any family, as long as you have a prayer table, that's really all, all you need. And we started with the celebration, remembering that it was Pentecost and changing the prayer table over to red and placing the seven candles and then listening to the gospel. And then I started to lift up each gift Mm -hmm. as I lit a candle, the gift of wisdom. I'd explain a little bit about, you know, what what this gift is. Um, And the three that are are in the atrium, they just, you know, settled right in because they have been celebrating this for some time. When it came to Declan, who was just three, he hadn't yet entered the atrium. I was reminding myself, okay, go slow with him because he really hasn't experienced this before. He doesn't really know these gifts. And I started, you know, just inviting him to ask for gifts thinking immediately I was going to have to go through all seven and explain all seven all over again. And he doesn't blink an eye. He says, I would like the gift of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Okay. Blaze lights the candle for him and hands it to him. But then he continues and says, and my mother needs understanding. (laughs) So Blaze helps him light it. He brings it over to his mother (laughs) and he goes right into, and my dad needs fortitude. And I'm thinking, (laughs) where is this coming from? 
But then his baby brother, Rowan, who's not maybe just turned a year. I don't think he was even a year old yet. He says, and my brother, I forget how he said needs or should have or whatever. But for his brother, he chose piety. And I thought, wow. And not because, Mm -hmm. you know, I have Mm -hmm. such a special grandson, which, of course, I think I do. This is not about that. This is about the religious sensibilities of the young child. I was getting all ready to be a Mm. teacher for him. And he was already filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. He already was enjoying Mm. these gifts and these Hmm. words. And yes, maybe he tends toward articulation because his mother is a speech pathologist. But it was a delightful celebration for him and for all of us. I mean, his mother was crying by the time um, his little brother got piety, but you know what I mean? It was, that's who they are. And all really that they need is that space and time set apart to enter into more deeply this relationship with God, you know, and that's something we can do in our homes. We can just take some time, just time to just be. Children of God. I like that. I like that. All that is required is a little bit of space and time to encounter this word. Like we don't need all the materials. We don't need to FaceTime in the presentation. We just need to have some space and time to sit down as a family or maybe even as an individual with the word and ponder what is God saying what gifts maybe he's we're being asked we're asking God or God is asking of us just a little bit of space and time right thank you so much mary for coming on the show again and for sharing all your wisdom we really appreciate all that you do for the national association and also for our podcast and carrie thank you so much it's always a delight to talk with you and i am so grateful for all the work you're doing for our association with these podcasts so thank you thank you mary Thank you all so much for listening. We love and appreciate each and every one of you for coming and joining us on the podcast. If you would like to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, please go to cgsusa.org. On our website, we have a lot of information and ideas and resources for families and individuals on how we can continue to live out our faith during this unique time of COVID-19. So please go to the website and up at the top, it's at COVID-19 and go look at all the different really neat resources that we have available to you. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And so we want to thank all the contributing members of the association because you are making this podcast possible. Thank you. If you want to know more about becoming a member, again, go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.